Yes, Lord Jesus, we sing Alleluia to you, God. We give you praise. We are waiting here for you, Lord. We're waiting for to hear from you, God, to speak to us, Lord. We pray, God, for a stronger, even stronger sense of your presence right now, that your Holy Spirit may come down, Lord, and touch us and fill us, Lord. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. And so, Lord, we come before you to study your word. We ask for your touch and your anointing upon this time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. 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 All right. What a wonderful time to worship the Lord. Welcome, you guys, Upcountry Calvary. Welcome, everybody, online. If you can grab your Bibles and open them up to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to continue our, our study here through this book. Our title today is A Heads Up to the Time of Reckoning. We're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. There's a recent poll that came out by the Joshua Fund, which is Joe Rosenberg's uh, organization. And it said this, that 29% of people, they polled, Americans, that is, they believe that this crisis that we're in, the COVID-19 pandemic, indicates, quote, we are living in what the Bible calls the last Days. So a lot of people feel like we're, we're living in the last days. 40% who were identified as Christians who were polled say because of the pandemic, I like this, they are now reading the Bible more and watching online sermons. Maybe we're doing that too, huh? 22% that were identified as non-Christians, they aren't saved, they say they're doing the same. Thing. They're, they're reading a Bible. They're actually looking at sermons online. And then 44% of Americans who were polled through this survey, uh, they believe that this is a wake-up call from God, that the whole COVID-19 pandemic is a wake-up call. God's getting our attention. And that same 44% believe that the coronavirus is a sign of coming judgment. Now, I think that's really interesting because I believe we're, we're experiencing uh, times that are heading us into what we call the end times. I, I believe that the coronavirus pandemic is just one of many things that are showing us that we are heading into those last days that are talked about and prophesied in the, in the Bible. And you know what that means? It means judgment day is coming. It means that a time of reckoning is coming for this world before God. When will it come? I don't know exactly, but I believe it's very soon. And I believe even now God is giving us this heads up on, hey, something's going, going to happen soon. And you know what? With that, that should affect how we live. With that same outlook, I was reading um, Anne Graham Lotz, the daughter of Billy Graham, wrote in a recent devotional. She said, this is a time to pray for ourselves, our families, our nation, and all those worldwide whose lives are being devastated by the death and disruption, disruption this disease is causing. And then she said, you and I need to make sure we are right with God so that we are ready to meet him whenever the time comes. Good words there, especially for the time we live in right now. Well, as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul talks about 
what he calls the day of the Lord, which is the judgment time of God. And so Paul gives believers here basically a heads up to the time of reckoning. And that's the title once again, a heads up to the time of reckoning. Now, this morning we're going to study verses 1 through 8 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I was trying to get all the way to 11 and and late yesterday, I thought, you know, forget this. I was trying to squeeze it all in. We're going to break it off to next Sunday. But we're going to cover this, this first part in chapter 5 from verse 1 through 8. And so there's two things we're going to see in our section. Number one, this is our outline, the coming judgment. And number two, the call to stay alert. So let's begin with number one, the coming judgment. That's what Paul's going to talk about here, the coming judgment. Now, for those of you taking notes, we're going to cover verses one through three in this section. But first of all, let's take a look at verse one and two. Paul writes here in 1 Thessalonians chapter five. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Verse two, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So we begin here with Paul writing in verse one, the word now. And with that, he's actually switching topics. He's going on. He's moving on. And, but he's moving on, but he's flowing from his previous topic, and they're really connected. But he uses the word now here to, to kind of move on here and switch to this. And he says, now, we're going to go on here from what we talked about before. And what did he talk about before? Well, we saw last time, right, in chapter 4 from verse 13 to 18, we talked about the rapture. When believers, the church, will be taken up by the Lord in his coming to meet him up in the air and to meet all those believers who have passed away before us and, and we'll get our resurrected bodies. Remember that. I titled the message, The Hope in the Rapture. And if you missed that, I encourage you to gra- listen to the podcast, our podcast, or catch it on YouTube channel. But So he's flowing from the rapture now and, he, and he's going, Now, now, we talked about that. We're going to flow into this. And they're connected, you guys. They are connected. They're going to, he's coming in here. Now he says in verse 1, he says, Now, concerning the times and seasons. The word times here is the Greek word chronos. Seasons is the Greek time kairos. And with those two words, he's saying, he's, he's putting together a thought here. The word chronos is really talking about when or, or chronologically. That's where we get our word. Uh, when he says kairos or seasons, talking about what. So he's going to say, now concerning when or concerning, you know, the end of this world. That's what he's really going into. The, the end of history. And then when he says seasons, it's what's going to happen at the end of the world. So basically you could say, now concerning, Paul's saying, now, concerning the end times, concerning the end of history. Now, let, let's, let's talk about that. So he's saying, now that he talked about the rapture, right? He goes on here and he says, okay, in chapter 5, now, let's talk about concerning the end times, brothers. You have no need 
to have anything written to you. In other words, you guys know about this. I've taught you, remember, Paul spent some time there teaching the word. And he says in verse 2, for you yourselves are fully aware. You guys know that there's these end times coming. That the end of history, the end of this world, as we know it, is going to come to pass. I've taught you this. I, I don't really need to get real elaborate. And then he, he calls this now. He goes here and he says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So this end of history, this end of this world is going to come like a thief in the night. It's going to come surprisingly. It's going to come uh, when you're, it's going to catch you off guard, basically. It's going to take you by surprise now, this day of the Lord. So here's Paul. He goes, okay, well, we talked about the rapture. Now let's go on. Let's talk about the end times. Let's talk about the event now, the season, the kairos that's going to happen and take the world by surprise like a thief in the night, that event that is called the day of the Lord. So what is that? Paul writes here in verse 2, right, the day of the Lord. Now, that term is found in the Old Testament and New Testament throughout the Bible. But specifically here, what is Paul talking about here? He's focusing on some things. So what is the day of the Lord? Well, first of all, understand this. It is not just one day. That's not what it means. A day is more like a series of events. There are a future series of events that happen one after another. And so we find that throughout the Bible, different events, different things that happen. So just know, when we say the day of the Lord, it's not just one day. And secondly, these prophesied events happen at the end of history. That's why we're calling this end times. And, and it happens at the end. All this day of the Lord is coming at the end of history, the end of the world, like I said, as we know. The third thing is, this is a time... When God's judgment is poured out on the wicked world, and it's actually going to be during the seven years of tribulation. So the day of the Lord is a time of judgment, and it's going to happen during the seven years of tribulation. That's why it's called Jacob's Trouble in Old Testament. Or when we were studying Daniel, right? It's that 70th week of Daniel. I talked about it then. It's that last week and 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 we're going to go get a little bit more into that next time but just understand the day of the lord the term that paul's using here is the judgment of god falling upon the world and that will be during the seven years of tribulation and then after that at the end of the seven years what happens jesus returns right the second coming of christ so all of that is what Paul is talking about. All of that is what Paul is mentioning here as he uses this phrase, the day of the Lord. So he primarily is focusing really on the judgment that's going to fall upon the earth during this time. Now, uh, there, technically, uh, theologians say, well, the day of the Lord is God interve intervening in the affairs of man uh, uh, acting in judgment upon them and restoring his rule. That, that's kind of the technical thing. But if you think about it, that's what's happening, right? God comes in. It's a time of reckoning for the world. Uh, judgment falls upon the world. And then he's going to come and set up rule on this earth. Jesus Christ will. Now, there's other scriptures that talk about the day of the Lord. And they include not only 
Christ's coming, but also the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ. And then even after that, uh, there's a scripture that talks about the day of the Lord even includes the new heaven and earth that will be made after the millennial reign of Christ. But, but understand here, when Paul is using this term, the day of the Lord, he focuses on the judgment that will fall upon the world before Jesus returns in his second coming. You, you could say this, today, the, the, the time we live in, the age we live in now, is the day of man, right? Uh, where man is having his way, having his say, do whatever he wants. But soon, I believe, God will get his way, God will get his say, judgment will come, and that's the day of the Lord. So you can look at it that way. Jeremiah 46.10 the first part says, That day is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance to avenge himself on his foes. So, understand this term. It's, a, it, it's an important term because it really sets up our passage here. It really sets up what Paul is connecting to in the previous passage. So he's saying, you know, concerning these times and seasons, concerning end times, we know about the day of the Lord is going to come suddenly upon this world. They're not going to expect it, basically, he's saying. Well, then he says in verse 3, while people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So Paul goes on here and, 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 he, and he says, you know, during this time, why it's going to, Take them by surprise because the people in the world are going to be like, they're going to be saying, oh, there's peace now. There's security. In other words, they're going to be, there's going to be this air of confidence that things are going to be, things are going good. Things are looking up now. And there'll be that kind of air of confidence thinking, oh, look at the situations now. Everything's going to go great. But then, but then suddenly destruction will come upon them. And what is that sudden destruction? Divine Judgment, And that's what's being talked about here. So when the world least expect it, right, least expect anything to happen, everything starts to fall apart in God because God moves in judgment. That's what Paul is saying here, especially in this first part. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, uh, 37 to 39, he said, for as were the as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And we remember the story, right? Remember in Genesis you know, 6 and um, what happened, right? God tasked Noah to build this ark. Why? He, he was going to bring this flood as a judgment upon the world. Why is that? Because their heart became corrupted. Because they no longer followed God or, or, or looked to God. They, they were doing their own ways. And God's like, oh, this is really bad. Yet he tasked Noah, the, the righteous man, right, on the earth and his family, to be saved from this flood. And so he tasked Noah to build this ark. And we know, I think it was in Peter that tells us that while he built the ark, he preached. Yeah? He preached, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. They're like, oh no, there's going to be a flood. It's going to rain. It had never rained. Right? 
There's never been a flood at that time, ever before, right? There's a canopy around the earth, and oh yeah, right, Noah. What? Rain? Flood? What is that? What's that? We've never seen that. That's not going to happen. And so they went on their way like nothing was happening, right? And then the flood came, and then that was it. It came like a thief in the night. And so Jesus saying, hey, that's what it's going to be like of the day of the Lord when judgment falls. It's, and so now the next thing, verse 3, Paul brings in another way to look at this in this unexpected time. He says in verse 3, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. So the judgment is going to fall like contractions, you know. I was thinking this morning, oh, maybe not the Braxton Hicks, right? Well, is that what you call it? Yeah. Hick, hick. <laughs> anyway, you know, the false, but the real contractions, where it, it's the beginning of the birthing process, right? It, it comes unexpectedly. All of a sudden, it comes upon you. Well, Paul's saying, that's what judgment is going to do. It's going to come like how birth pains and come all of a sudden, and it cre- increases more and more. It gets more and more intense until the baby's birth, right? So, so that's what Paul is saying here. Hey, here's another picture. It's going to come like a thief at night, but you know, it's going to be like, like, like a woman who's a pie, who's, who, who, who gets those contractions and on they're about to give birth. And then he says here in the end of verse 3, and they will not escape. You know what that means? This judgment will affect everybody in the world. No one's going to escape this. It's going to, it's going to, the judgment's going to fall upon everybody who's living on the earth when this comes. So during the seven years of, of tribulation, everyone's going to be affected in one way or another. And we're talking about the people in the world. Because we know in our studies that actually God will protect Israel during that time. But those who don't believe, who are the people in the world, that they will be affected. They will not be able to escape. You know, I was thinking about the United Nations. It, it recognizes 190 countries. They, they are, quote, unquote, real nations, real countries. On September 14, out of the 190 to recognize countries, 12 have not been affected by the coronavirus. And this is uh, as of September 14th. And uh, I was looking at the list. I'll read you the list. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, first on the list was North Korea. I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that's their claim, right? Another country is uh, Turkem- Tur- Turkmenistan, I guess an uh, Eastern Europe country. And then these other countries are, are more in the Southern Pacific, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, Samoa, Kiribati, uh, Federated States of Micronesia, Tonga, Mar- Marshall Islands, uh, Palau, uh, Tuvalu, and Nauru, which is a real tiny island. It's actually a, it's, its own country. They say you can walk, walk around that island in one day. But these countries have not been touched, well, so far, but by the coronavirus. But that's not what it's going to be when God's judgment falls. Uh, every, everybody, the unsaved, the world, are, are going to be under this judgment of God and affected. They're going to be affected by this. This is a time of reckoning. God's judgment will affect everyone. No one will escape. So... Understand this in this first section. 
The day of the Lord is the time of the tribulation where judgment is poured out on the whole world. Do you see that? The day of the Lord is the time of tribulation, that seven-year tribulation, where judgment is poured out on the whole world. That's what it, it is. Now, when we talk about the seven years of, of tribulation, to, uh, we, we see references in the Old Testament, but you know we find a lot of what's going to go on in the book of Revelation. And uh, I'll, I'll let you in on, on a little secret. Don't tell anybody. But um, after First Thessalonians, we're going to study Second Thessalonians. That's the secret. No. After that, I really feel strongly that God wants to study the book of Revelation. So just to give you a, a little heads up in, in that way. Lord willing, <laughs> Lord willing, we're still here. But let me give you just a, a little preview about the tribulation years. Now, during those years, that's where God, that's the day of the Lord. He pours out his judgments, right? And he pours out these judgments through, through three means. And this is, this is what's given in, in the book of Revelation, through seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bowls or, or vials. I'll call them bowls. Now, each of the uh, uh, events here in the seals, trumpets, and bowls are not all, all, all um, God's judgment. There's some other things that happen, but almost all of them are. Let me give you an example. Like in Revelation 6, it talks about the seven seals that are broken open, and then judgment comes out. And the first seal, it talks about when the seal was broken, that a rider on a white horse comes out. And you know who's that talking about? The Antichrist. So God allows the Antichrist to take control, unify the world. But remember, he, he starts his deceiving things. We talked a lot about in, in Daniel. He, he's not like coming on saying, yeah, look, at, you know, I'm, I'm okay. And in three and a half years, he does nothing. No, he's doing a lot of deception. He's doing a lot of stuff. During that time, like we studied in the book of Daniel, he's going to be the leader of one world uh, government. But it's going to appear like peace and security it's going to appear like oh things are looking up he's going to have answers to all the problems in the world he's going to be the quote-unquote savior or the quote messiah of the world he's going to have all those answers and everyone's going to go oh look 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 hey things are looking up things are looking good he's going to really bring peace into the middle east broker some deals uh, maybe he'll, he'll have good solutions to you know climate change or the uh, the economy or starving people he's going to have answers to oh bring everyone together you know we're going to be one country not divided he's going to have answers with the false prophet right about no we'll have one religion and united it'll look good politically it'll, it'll look good on paper economically You'll look good, you know, philosophically. But you know the Antichrist is Satan's guy, right? So he comes in on this white horse and it'll appear in that manner. It'll look like peace and safety. But you know what? The next seal is broken open and you know what comes out? The red horse. The red horse. And the red horse, Revelation tells us, takes away this pseudo kind of peace, starts breaking it down. War breaks out. Between people, it says, between nations. Then the, then the third seal comes the black horse. And that represents famine. Famine hits the world all over the place. And then after the black horse comes 
the fourth seal, is the pale horse. And on the pale horse, specifically, the rider's name and the name of the rider is death. And Revelation tells us in chapter 6 that a quarter of the earth's population is going to die. Whether they're killed by famine, plague, sword, maybe the war going on, or I thought this was interesting, quote, it says wild beasts. So I I don't know, maybe animals go crazy. I, I don't know what's going on there exactly. But that's what the scripture tells us. And then, then I'll, I'll just skip over to the sixth seal. Then the sixth seal is broken up. You know what happens? Earth, there's an earthquake. The sun turns black. The moon turns blood red. And, and, and the sky like rolls up like a scroll. Like it, the blueness of the sky disappears. You guys, this is just the seals. That's the judgment of God beginning to fall upon the earth. After, after that, uh, some of the trumpet judgments in Revelation 8 is like hail and fire falls and burns. Half of the trees, all green grasses burn. Uh, the second trumpet blows and a huge mountain, quote unquote, it says in Revelation, a huge mountain is, is thrown into the ocean, into the sea, and a third of the ocean life dies and a third of ships sink. So I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a meteor or something. Or I was thinking, I wonder if a volcano just explodes in a big chunk. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Because the third trumpet blows. This is a blazing star. Now that could be some asteroid, right? Comes in and it, it hits the fresh water and a third of fresh water, it poisons. Crazy, right? And then the fourth trumpet Sounds in a third of the sun, moon, and stars, they go dark where a third of the day is without light anymore. Something cataclysmic is going on. But again, this is God's judgment. And the scariest thing to me is the fifth trumpet where demon beings like locusts come out from the bottom of the earth and go around torturing people. This is God's judgment. He's allowing these things to do. You know, I was thinking about... You know, some people say, well, no, this, this is Satan doing it. Well, yeah, but God's allowing him to do these things under his judgment, just like uh, he used Babylon to bring judgment upon Israel for their sins when they went into the Babylonian captivity. Well, that's the seals, that's the trumpets, but then there's a bold judgment. You guys, in Revelation 16, uh, the first bowl is, is poured out and sores are breaking out on everybody. The second bowl, the sea turns to blood red and uh, remember a third died. Well, the rest of every living thing in the sea dies. Uh, the third bowl is fresh water turns to blood and everything dies in that. The fourth bowl, the sun begins to scorch people. Maybe it's supernovas. You know, they've been talking about that. And it, there's intense heat. And so the, so, so the sun scorches people with that, that heat. Uh, and then uh, skip to the seventh bowl. An earthquake happens like never, ever seen before to the point where mountains are flattened and, and uh, islands are, are, are Hawaii's gone. That's just that all the islands flee. All the islands are gone. So who knows? Maybe there's a big shifting of plates and things that happen in all of that. I'm not making this up. That's what's in the Bible, you guys. This is the, what's going to happen, what I just told you. That's what's going to happen in the tribulation years. That's why it's the day of the Lord. That's why it's the judgment falling upon this earth. You know, Jesus, I was thinking about something um, Jesus said in Matthew 
24. He said, For then there will be great tribulation, such has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. So you see, this is the end of the world. This is the end of history. This is the, what we see about movies and things like that. This is, and, and I just want to get you a little preview on it and picture of what this judgment is all about. So, that's what you've got to have in mind when Paul says the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a time of the tribulation where judgment is poured out on the whole world. So you guys, we, we have a choice right now. Understanding this, we're fully aware of this, right? Well, many of us studied this before. It's not like we don't know, but we're fully aware of this. We all have a choice, yeah? And even if you're, you don't know Christ, we have a choice here today to believe this or not. To believe that this is true and that this is going to come to pass, just like what it says in the Bible, what's been predicted or not. You have a choice right now. And, and here's the thing. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to come to pass, right? You know, if, if you think, well, I don't believe it. Well, that doesn't mean it's not going to come to pass for you, right? No one will escape this. And I'll tell you what. I believe God today with this passage we're studying, with the times we're living in now with this pandemic and things going crazy, with other things coming together and prophecy being fulfilled, I believe God is giving us a heads up on this time of reckoning that is going to come and happen upon the world. So are you ready? Are you prepared? If you're not saved, do you have Jesus in your heart? Yeah. Do you have God? Are you saved? Do you have that? Has your sin been taken care of here? Because the time of reckoning is coming. And you know what? That's why Jesus died, right? And rose again. That's why Jesus gave his life so that judgment wouldn't have to be upon us. We're going to really get into that next time. But understand this today. That Jesus died on the cross to atone for your sins. So that this judgment, you, you won't have to have upon you where are you are you are you ready you know this is like wow pastor rick this is whole this is like one of those hellfire and brimstone kind of messages but i don't want it to be like that because what i want you to know is this message goes out god is speaking to the church god is speaking to those who are unsaved right now maybe online maybe you're here you know why because he's warning you and he wants to warn you. You know why? Because he loves you. That's why. He loves you. This is coming. This is, this is what he's saying. But he, he wants you not to be under that and part of the world that, that, that experiences that. You know, in, in a, a 2 Peter chapter 3. As a matter of fact, turn there. 2 Peter chapter 3. Turn to the right. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. We see that this is God's heart is not to bring judgment upon the people. No, God's heart is to save. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we see, we see God's heart here. Now, Peter had been talking in this chapter that people are saying, Ah, oh, this isn't going to happen. All this 
end times prophecy, oh, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, it's been delayed, you know. And then that's when Peter's like, hey, you know, it seems like it's a delay. But remember, you know, to the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day, right? But then in verse 9, it says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. Like, oh, you know, it's never going to happen. He's slow. It's, it's, it won't happen in my lifetime. But I believe such stuff is going to happen in my lifetime. And then he says in verse 9, but is patient toward you. You know what? He's, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come to him. Not wishing, what? That any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That all would be saved. That all, all would come to the place where they, they, they receive Christ and they believe in what he did and atoning for our sins and be saved. That's his heart. That's his love, you guys. Understand that. It's not, oh, you're going to, judgment is coming, watch out. No, it's a warning. These events are going to happen. God is holy. God is just. He has to judge sin. But God is love also. God is merciful and gracious and patient, and He wants as many people to come to salvation before all this happens. It's time, you guys, to give your life to Jesus. If you haven't done that, will you give your heart to Jesus right now? It's time guys to be serious with God just pray ask Jesus to come into your heart believe that that he is the Lord and he died and he rose again Romans 10 says and you will be saved that's all you need to do so with this coming that's why God I believe is giving us today a heads up to the time of reckoning the coming judgment well let's move on here to number two the call to stay alert. We've seen the coming judgment. And now number two, the call to stay alert. And this will cover the rest of our verses today, verses 4 through 8. But let's take a look at verse 4 and 5. 4 and 5. Paul goes on here and says, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not all, uh, we are not of the night or of the darkness. So, Paul now is like saying, but you guys, you're fully aware, you guys know this. You guys, it's not going to take you by surprise. You, you, you guys are not in darkness. In other words, it, it's not like you don't know. You're not in the dark in about these things. Uh, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. You're, you know about the judgment of God that's coming the day of the Lord, the seven-year tribulation, right? I've taught you guys that. And then he says, for you are all children of the light. Now, when he says that you are not of the darkness, he, 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 he's saying, like, it's not like you don't know, but you are children of the light. In other words, you know what's true. You've been taught what's true. That's that light he's talking about. And then he says, you guys are children of the day. And you know what he means there? He's saying, you belong to God. So, you're, you're part of what uh, you've been saved. You're, you're not going to have this judgment upon you, he's saying. You're, you belong to God. And then he says, we are not of the night. In other words, the opposite of the day is night. In other words, we're not like the people of the unsaved world. We're not, we're not part of that. Or of the darkness. We're not, we're not uh, like in this place where we don't know what's true and what's going to happen. 
So understand that there's a, there's a contrast going on here of, you could say, groups. He says, basically, believers are not going to be taken surprised because you're not, you're part of God, you're not part of the world. You, un, you, you know what's true, but they don't know what's, what, what's really true and what's going to happen. And so you guys, you're, you're, not, you're not part of this. I, notice how it says here, like in verse 2, it says, for you... He's talking about believers there, right? And then look at verse 3 at the end. He says, and they will not escape. Who's that? The people of the world, people who are unsaved. They won't escape that judgment. But then in verse 4, he says, but you, you're not of that darkness. You're not in the dark about this. You understand. You know what's true here. You're in this contrasting groups. You're in the group that belong to God, and you know what's true. You're not in the group like the people in the world who are in darkness, and they're of the night, where they are unsaved. They're going to be under the judgment. Then he goes on here in verse 6 and 7. He says, So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. All right, let's take a look at this. So he says, so then, since you guys are, 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 you know what's true, since you belong to God now, so then let us not sleep as others do. And others, let's not be sleeping spiritual about this. Let us not act like we don't know, basically, he's saying. Let's not operate in that way as others, as the people of the world do. But let us keep awake, and that means stay alert. So see, this is the call to stay alert here. And then he says, be sober. That word means stay clear-minded. That's the idea, right? Sober, nothing clouding your, 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 nothing, you know, you're focused on something. But stay clear-minded and understand these things and what's going on. And if you're clear-minded, then you know what? You're going to live like Jesus is coming. That's all wrapped up in that word. And with that thought, he says in verse 7, for those who sleep, yeah, they don't care about this. They're not thinking about this, right? Uh, they sleep at night. These guys, they sleep, why? Because they're of the night, we could say. They're of the world. They're unsaved. They, they, they don't care about these things, right? So they sleep at night, and those, they are those who basically get drunk. In other words, they're not sober. Opposite is they're drunk. They, they don't care how they live. They live like none of this is going to happen and are drunk at night. They're, they're part of the world here, the unsaved world, that are going to come under that judgment. And then he says in verse 8, But since we, now he's talking about the believers, belong to the day. Remember, the day means that you belong to God. Yeah? Let us be sober. Let us keep a clear mind. Uh, understanding these things. Knowing what's going to happen. Knowing the truth. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love. And the helmet, the hope of salvation. So now we get this, this feeling like, oh, put on the armor. Put on the helmet like Ephesians 6, 6, right? It's a little different here though. We see here the breastplate or that body armor, the flat jacket or what, you know, that vest that they put on. This is a, a breastplate, uh, a body armor of faith and love. So as we keep this clear understanding, we want to put on this armor to protect our heart to stay to faith and love. Faith 
and what God told us is going to happen, believing in what's going to happen, and love in the sense of love toward God. That we keep our love and devotion toward God. That's what he's saying. Because there's going to be a battle now for you to maybe not believe these things. There's going to be an influence of the world to pull you away from loving God. We need to keep our heart protected with that faith and love. And the helmet, the hope for salvation. So the helmet protects what? Your head, your mind. So keep a clear understanding and protect your mind so you keep the hope of what God has said here. Now, when you see the word hope in the Bible, it's not like, well, I hope these things will happen. You know, I'm, I'm just hanging on that, that oh, 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 this, this is going to happen. You know, but that's not what the New Testament, when you see hope in the Bible, it means I know what God said and promised will happen. That's what hope means here. The hope of what God said is going to happen. So we keep that in our minds. And then he says the hope, what? Of salvation. Now, when he uses the word salvation here, it's not talking about like we come to Jesus, pray the prayer, and we get saved. What he's talking about, being saved from what we've been talking about, the day of the Lord. Saved from the judgment saved from this world to go and be with him and i believe this connects us to the rapture you see salvation is it's really uh you could say uh three parts we're saved by the blood of jesus when we come to salvation and pray right like the past the present after, after we're, we have salvation, is sanctification, right? So we're saved, we're sanctified, the process of God growing us and making us more like Jesus. And then the third part of salvation as a whole is glorification. We talked about that last time, right? We get our resurrected bodies and we go and we live in heaven with Jesus. So when Paul says salvation, he's talking about the glorification, where we're taken and we're going to be with the Lord. We're going to get our, our resurrected bodies and we're not going through this judgment. We're saved from the day of the Lord. That's what Paul is talking about here. So, believers, right? Paul is saying, this is the idea, are not like the world who don't care about the coming judgment. And so what? They live like there's no God, live like nothing's going to happen. But believers, we stay alert for the coming of Jesus of course. But in context, he's saying stay alert for the coming what? The day of the Lord, for the coming tribulation, for the coming judgment. Why? Why should we be alert, right? Why should we be looking for that? Why, why do believers have hope and salvation when it comes to talking about the day of the Lord? We can really get into this next week. I already mentioned. Why? Because we're not going to be here. Because we're going to be raptured. See, to stay alert for the coming tribulation or judgment, the day of the Lord, it means when we're staying alert to to seeing, uh, you know, waiting for that to happen, we have hope. Why? Because we will soon be with Jesus. And that's the hope that motivates us now to live for Jesus. See, that, that day of the Lord means when it's coming it means when it means it's near it means that believers will be with jesus soon in the rapture do 
You understand that? Let, let me throw this out. This is the timeline that I find in a Bible. And again, we're going to get more deeper into this uh, next time. But um, this is the timeline that I find of God's prophetic calendar. First of all, it's the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. We studied that. Next, I believe, is the attack on Israel and God's miracle saved, Ezekiel 38, 39. And then after that, it's going to be the seven-year tribulation, Jacob's trouble, the day of the Lord, the seventh week of Daniel, Revelation 6 through 18. And then in Revelation 19, after that, is the second coming of Jesus. So you see what's going on here, right? So if you know the tribulation is coming, you know the signs of the tribulation, the day of the Lord is coming, we have hope. And we're staying alert to the signs and what's going on, and we have hope, and we know that means Jesus is going to come for us in the rapture really soon. So you see why Paul says we have hope in this salvation, that we've got to keep that helmet on. Uh, Thomas Constable, commentator, said, The salvation they look forward to is deliverance from the wrath to come when the Lord returns, as is clear from the context, which is talking about the rapture. Followers of Christ have a sure hope. They are not as others who have no hope. So I hope that makes sense here. Our last point is this. In light of the upcoming events, stay alert with hope and live all out for Jesus. That's what we got to do. We have this hope. And then it motivates now to live clear-minded, understanding that we're not like the world, like, ah, we're going to just be drunk. No, we're going to be sober in all of this. We're going to live for Jesus in all of this. You know, I'm about, I, 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 I'm, sometimes I wake up to some of these aches and pains, and, you know, and sometimes I just move, and all of a sudden, oh, there's a pain, you know, and, and on. And it never happened when I was younger, right? Well, it alerted me to the fact of my future. I'm getting old, <laughs> right? Well, it made me look at what's up ahead and coming. So to minimize maybe physical problems in the future, I'm trying to eat better, exercise, stay active. You know, knowing what's coming up alerts me to change the way I live today. So that's the thing, you guys. Understanding, being clear-minded on, on, on what's coming up. In light of those upcoming events, we stay alert with hope and live all out for Jesus. That's what we need to do. Amen? Amen. Let me close with this. Uh, one day a traveler in Switzerland discovered a beautiful but secluded estate on the shores of a tranquil lake and knocking at the garden gate he was met by an aged caretaker who cordially asked him to come in the guardian seemed glad to see another person and eagerly showed him all around the garden how long have you been here the tourist asked oh a very long time he replied and how often has your master returned the tourist said four times said the gardener when when was he here last well many years ago i'm i'm almost always alone it's very seldom even a stranger visits me and then the tourist is like yet yet you have the garden in such perfect order and everything is flourishing as if you're expecting your master tomorrow no sir exclaimed the caretaker i have it fixed as if he were coming today and that's how we live. The day of the Lord is coming. 
when the whole world will be accountable to God and judgment will fall, but that should change how you and I live today because that means the rapture can happen at any moment. So, this is a heads up to the day, to the time of reckoning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, Lord, your word this morning. And as we come to a close, I ask God that you would continue to stir our hearts up for you. And if anyone here, Lord, is struggling and knows they need to recommit their life to you or give their life over to you, God, I pray that you would help them. Pray that you would strengthen them. I pray, God, that you would give them, Lord, uh, your love, your mercy and grace. Forgive them and fill them with your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross so that we can be saved and so that we can succeed. And Lord, thank you that you give us that power and that means to help us today, especially as we see the day approaching. In Jesus' name, amen.